Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Lovers and haters, I have a fantastic question this week. Amelia says, I'll cut to the chase here. I've been with my husband for about five years now, though we recently actually got married. Everything is so wonderful, except for in the bedroom. No matter what we try, I always feel uncomfortable and like I'm not enough. I can definitely tell that my sweet husband is also feeling unsatisfied. We've tried therapy. We talk about it often. I just can't seem to find my footing enough to finally provide and feel pleasure. Am I destined to be bad at this? And Amelia's birthday is September 26, 1996 at 1231 p.m. in Big City, Lubbock, Texas. So, okay, there's a lot to talk about here. But before I jump into the specifics of your situation and your birth chart, Amelia, I want to just take a moment to acknowledge that by and large, people who are raised as male are encouraged both in their communities, but also by the world to explore their fantasy landscape to explore their sexuality as a point of pride, as a point of embodiment, and as a point of growing up. And by and large, people who are raised as female are discouraged from exploring our fantasy landscape. We are discouraged from exploring our physical bodies. And we are encouraged to think of sex and sexuality as something we perform for others, as something we offer to others, something we should feel shameful for enjoying too much. And I think that this is a really important thing to acknowledge because, my dear, you are not alone in your struggle to figure out what brings you pleasure and whether or not you even know how to tolerate experiencing pleasure. And I will say, after counseling, you know, countless women and I cancel people of all genders, of course, but lots and lots of women over the past 25 years, I have learned that most women, especially straight women, don't seem to have good sex in their 20s, in part because it's hard to really know your body. And there are some people who are lucky enough to be hedonistic. They're just like pleasure-seeking missiles. They enjoy being in a body and they enjoy figuring out what is pleasurable to their bodies. And it's quite organic for them to prioritize that. But there are just as many, if not more people who are not like that. So, So you're not alone. You're not bad at sex. You're not broken. You've just got a very human issue going on here, and and I'm going to help you unpack it. If you don't have a fantasy landscape, aka if you don't have a way that you allow yourself to think about sex, fantasize about sex, think about your body, fantasize about your own experience of your body, if you don't have ways that you allow yourself to explore what is pleasurable and what is hot, not what you want to do. But what is pleasurable and what is hot? The fantasy landscape is a landscape that exists in your mind. It is a place that exists in your fantasies. It is not necessary that the things that you fantasize about are the things you want to do, right? Having a fantasy landscape is a no-holes-barred place in which you can explore what you like, not so that you can give it to other people and not so that you can do it, but so that you can get to know what the boundaries are 
of this really wide space that is what brings you pleasure in this body, what brings you pleasure in your brain and in your heart, because your brain and your heart are part of what comes along for the ride of sex, in particular, sex with someone you trust, sex with someone you're intimate with, as opposed to like a rando hookup, which your husband is not. There's a lot of things that I saw when I pulled up your birth chart, and I'm going to kind of name a few things, and I'm going to give you the upshot, okay? So you've got this really strong, beautiful Mercury in Virgo at the top of the birth chart. Uh, you're smart. You're analytic. You are somebody who is a critical thinker. You're thinking about thinking while thinking. It is such a great strength. And this strength, your smarts, your ability to analyze and evaluate is something that you lean on when you feel vulnerable, upset, uncertain. And that makes sense, right? If you have something really strong in your nature, you use it for the parts of yourself that feel less strong. However, when we're talking about sex, the analyzer is not exactly the hottest thing. And I'm not saying that having story or fantasy or communication isn't hot, but I am saying that what I see in your birth chart is how you have a hard time relaxing, that you're so comfortable in your head in contrast to how uncomfortable you are being emotionally present in your body. And this is signified by a number of things, actually, including a moon-Saturn conjunction at the bottom of the chart opposite your sun and also having Pluto conjunct the ascendant. All of these things indicate different layers and levels. I'm hesitant to get too detailed with astrology for you because I don't want you to get obsessed with the details. The big picture is being in your body and being emotionally present in your body is hard for you. It feels vulnerable and scary. And all of the emotions that you've been uncertain of how to process and how to deal with, all of the insecurities that you have around, did I do it right? Did I not do it right? And when I say, did I do it right? I don't just mean around sex. I mean, at work, with friends, in your relationship, like you just have a lot of pressure that you tend to place on yourself and a lot of performance anxiety in general that you cope with. All of those feelings are kind of being stored in your body. You're kind of treating your body or you have a tendency to treat your body like the space under your bed where you kick all your dirty clothes or like a closet that's overflowing, right? Like a Monica closet. And so when it's time to be sexually intimate, what happens is you start to drop into these feelings and these feelings are just sitting around waiting for you and they're very unpleasant. It's uncomfortable. And I wonder if you're even able to enjoy sex or fantasy without a partner. Like I wonder if dropping into your body is, is stressful for you with or without a partner. But as you drop into your body, you start to feel all these feelings and it feels stressful and it feels like, oh no, I'm doing something wrong. And this is, oh no, I'm doing something wrong. It's a story you tell yourself about a lot of things. It's a fear you have about a lot of things, not just sex. And so when it comes to something like sex, where you may have a partner who's just like, hey, let's play, let's have fun, let's do a damn thing. And you're just like... I now I'm sitting here and I have to feel my feelings and I feel like I'm supposed to feel something different than I'm feeling and I don't know what I want and I don't know what he wants and I don't know what to do. It it makes you tighter and tighter and tighter. And I'm not talking about like your sexual body tighter. I just mean emotionally tighter. And then your body responds by essentially recoiling. 
it's the opposite of what's hot, right? It's not hot to feel pressured. It's not hot to feel like you're doing something wrong. It's the opposite of what's hot. And so this is a really tricky thing because you're, we are not just talking about how can you access your sexuality, right? We're talking about how can you access it and show up within a partnership, which is kind of additional pressure. Even if you love him and you think he's hot and all those things, it is extra added layers of pressure. So I have advice. The first piece of advice I want to give you comes on behalf of Pluto conjunction to the ascendant, which is something you have in your birth chart. When we have Pluto on an angle, which is to say on the first house cusp, the fourth, the seventh, or the tenth, or we have it in hard aspect to most of the personal planets, it gives us control issues. And those control issues often come from traumatic events in childhood, whether they happen to us or we were raised by people who they themselves are very much recovering from trauma. And so they had kind of complicated um, and mixed messages they gave us. What happens is we tend to have vulnerability around control. We want control. We need control of ourselves, but we don't feel confidence in our right or ability to have control. And so it's this push-pull that when it comes to sex, Pluto can often make us quite compulsive around sex one way or another. So we really, really want it. We really, really don't. We really, really like it. We really, really don't. Like all or nothing. That's Pluto's vibe. And so the advice I'm going to give you might sound a little bit weird, but I'm pretty confident about it. So I, I hope you try it out. My advice to you is to talk to your beloved sweet husband and to say to him, we're going to take three months off of sex. We are going to hold hands. We are going to snuggle. We're going to dance in the kitchen. We're going to be intimate and loving, and we're not going to hook up. We're not going to bone. We're not going to do any of the sexual things. And in that time, my dear Amelia, my advice to you is to work on your sexuality for you and not for him. For as long as you're doing it for him, it's going to trigger these control issues in a way that is antithetical to you finding pleasure and you finding sexual flow. That makes sense? The key here is for you to explore your own fantasy landscape. Again, not so you figure out what you want to do with him or what will fix your problem, but instead to experiment with who the hell are you? If you've been with this guy for five years and you were born in 1996, I mean, you're only 23. You don't necessarily know what you like outside of this guy. That's not bad or good, but it is information. And it's really important that you find a way to prioritize exploring what's hot to you just for you. Sex is for you. Sex is not for him. Sex is not for the marriage. I mean, it is. But if you're doing sex kind of like cooking dinner for someone, you know, you're like, ah, I don't really want pasta tonight, but he loves pasta. I'm going to make him pasta. You can do that now and again. But if you're doing that all the damn time, you're going to come to hate pasta. You know what I'm saying, girl? So my advice to you is for three months to read erotica. That's right. Read, read some porn. I mean, porn and erotica are different things. I honestly want to encourage you to read both. You can watch that stuff too, but I don't know that that's actually going to be comfortable for you. And I don't know that that's actually going to work for you. But reading some smut would be fan-freaking-tastic. Find some very feminist <laughs> Instagram accounts that talk about the female body and talk about sexual pleasure and start watching videos that are awkward and embarrassing that really teach you how to think about your clit, 
how to think about your body, how to think about orgasm and pleasure. And to know that you do not need to have an orgasm to have hot sex. You don't. You might not like intercourse, PNV sex, as a way to come. That might not be the hottest thing to you. You might have some kinks that are not what you want to do in your partnership, but that actually work in your fantasy life and they work for you for solo time. Girl, you need some damn solo time. You know what I mean? Masturbation is incredibly healthy because it's sex for you, by you, for you. And I think it's really important that you explore whatever shame is holding you back from doing these things. I love that you've gone to therapy for talking about your sexuality with your partner. But if your partner, he himself doesn't have a lot of like sexual issues and he's just like, I want to do it more with you. Let's do it more. Um, and he's kind of leading the charge with sex and sexual dynamic, then there is some of this problem that is your problem. And it is your problem to explore because, listen, and you know, I've said this in a million different ways in the podcast a million different times, but problems are simply our system's way of saying, hey, look over here. I need support. I need love. I need patience. I need attention. And your sexuality deserves your attention and your support and your patience and your priority. And if you do it for him or for the marriage, it's just going to be more of the same. Why can't I get this? Am I bad at this? If you're not enjoying sex, if you don't know what pleases you, take him out of the equation. Do field research by, again, reading lots of smut, but also do field research by experimenting with different fantasies in your head. Think about sex. Some people have the idea that fantasizing about someone who is not your partner is a form of infidelity. I do not agree with that at all. No. I'm not the one who's married to you, so it doesn't really matter what I think. I'm not encouraging you to think about like your coworker or your ex-boyfriend from when you were 15 years old, but you know, maybe there's like a famous dude. Maybe there's like a fantasy dude that is a fake human. You don't have to fantasize about your husband. Fantasy is not reality. It is chill to have a fantasy life that is not related to your reality. In fact, that might be really transcendent for you because you do have a tendency to take life very literally and very seriously and see a problem and fix a problem. But that's not how human sexuality really works. You know, you, you deserve to enjoy your body and enjoy your sexual dynamic with your partner, but that does require you knowing what you enjoy and prioritizing your own pleasure. From there, making sure that he's pleased becomes a lot more organic right? Because you're not doing the service for him to fix a problem in the relationship. Instead, it's kind of like you're having a conversation and that conversation is intimate and fun, hopefully, and adventurous. And this is why this is going to be hard advice for you to take. You wrestle with this idea that there's good sex and bad sex and people who are bad at sex and people who are good at sex. And there's problems and solutions. When it comes to intimacy and when it comes to sexuality, I just don't think that's the case, my dear. I just don't think that's the case. There's compatibility issues, but really what you want to be able to do is figure out where your pleasure lies and how to access your body and how to continue breathing when you start to tense up because you do tense up. So back to this like specific part of my advice, take three months in which you really explore your sexuality for yourself. and then. In the third month, bring sex back into the relationship, but for three to four weeks to have it just be 
making out, and you know, you should talk to your partner about this, but maybe only over the clothes stuff, maybe only under the shirt stuff, like keep it a little PG-13. Start to build up to being sexually intimate instead of going straight into it. This will ideally speaking, build up pleasure between you and your partner, build up longing and desire between you and your partner, but it'll also give you space to not feel pressured to take three months off of sex and then figure out your sexuality and come back ready to go, right? Ease back in. You're going to give yourself three or four weeks just making out. And then the next three or four weeks are going to be just oral, hands and mouths, hands and mouths, no PMV, okay? And this is to make sure that with all your sex therapy and all your processing, that your sex life isn't just about PMV sex. You know what I mean? Intercourse. Because that is just one little piece of sex. And that one little piece of sex often is not the crowning glory for females. I mean, I know dudes love it. I've been told dudes prioritize it. But there's so much more to sex than that. The truth of the matter is, you need to figure that out with your partner and he needs to figure that out with you. So hands and mouths, my dear, hands, mouths, hey, and toys, if that's your jam. If, you, if you're interested in toys, if you're open to that sort of stuff, put that in the mix if you like as well. So that's for another three to four weeks. And then you can start introducing more intercourse. So this is a long-term plan. And if you hear this plan or your husband hears this plan and are like, yikes, that is way too long. Uh-uh, that's asking too much. Then I wanna say this, a marriage ideally speaking, is forever. And forever, in the words of Prince, is a mighty long time. And if what you want to do is be able to bone this man forever, then taking five months, four months to really give you the space to figure out your own sexuality is a drop in the damn bucket, girl. It is a drop in the damn bucket. So I really hope that you, as a team, decide that this is cool. And that you as an individual really challenge yourself not to analyze sex, but to explore sexuality and sex for yourself and to not center him in this process, but to center yourself in this process. My dear, are you bad at sex? Hell no, you're not bad at sex. No, of course not. Let me name a couple things that are actually really in your favor around embodying your sexuality. The first of which is that you have Mars in Leo and it's in the eighth house. Now, to be fair, it is exiting the eighth house, but the eighth house is one of the two places that we look to for sex and sexuality. Having Mars in Leo and to that end, honestly, you also have Venus in Leo. This can incline you to being really enthusiastic when you're having fun, when you're having fun in a way that feels creative and dynamic to you. To add to that, you have the sign Aries on the fifth house cusp, the fifth house being the other place we look to for sex. Now, the thing that's important within all of this is that when you feel comfortable and when it feels loving and when it feels spontaneous and fun, sex and sexuality are actually a really big part of who you are. So the key here is to make sure that it's creative and dynamic and life-affirming and not just something you're doing for someone else. Now, this is especially true because on that eighth house cusp, we have cancer. And cancer is the sign ruled by the moon. And as I said before, the moon is conjunct Saturn. So there's this sense of duty and responsibility that can get in the way of pleasure and fun 
and exploration. So that's something for you to work with right there. And luckily, this, the indication here is if you can prioritize a little bit of hedonism and a little bit of life-affirming play, you're going to find that you actually quite enjoy sex and that enjoying sex is the key to feeling good about it and within it. You are not destined to be bad at sex. You maybe are destined to be a person who's going to have to struggle to find flow in your relationship to being emotionally present in your body. And that directly implicates sex. But honestly, when something is difficult and you work on it, it can be the thing that you're the best at in life. You're really young. You're not behind schedule. You just need some patience some willingness to be vulnerable and uncomfortable in the journey towards embracing your body. Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along is my love letter to you. It's the first book I've ever written, and it explores not just love relationships, but friendships and hooking up and the early stages of dating, which is mysterious and confusing. I break down all the planets through the signs. It is a tool that you truly need for a feminist, comprehensive, and inclusive understanding of astrology and how it relates to your relationships. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to Miss Sophia Amoruso, New York Times bestselling author of Girl Boss. She says, This book is groundbreaking in the field of astrology for its empowering approach to dating, relating, and loving one another. Jessica is a special talent who has helped me and my relationship immensely. Pre-order it wherever books are sold. Also find links on lovelanyato.com. Let's get astrological, shall we? This week, we're going to look at November 17th through the 23rd, 2019. And I'm kind of having a hard time believing that it's the end of 2019. It happened quickly. It happened slowly. I don't know. But here we are at the end of not just a year, but a decade. Anyways, I'll get nostalgic about it in December. But for now, let's just talk about your horoscope. We will start it off with a lovely thing, which is Mercury going direct. So Mercury has been retrograde for the last several weeks, and it goes direct on the 20th of November. So let me just pause to acknowledge what Mercury retrograde is. What happens is it appears to be moving backwards through the zodiacal degrees, right? And the reason why this happens is actually because Mercury is just moving a bit slower than the Earth. So it causes this illusion that it's moving backwards. It's not actually moving backwards. Planets don't do that. So what happens is when Mercury goes direct, as it will do on the 20th, it takes several days to actually start moving kind of at its proper clip. It stations is what we call it. So when it stations, it doesn't move properly forwards, but it's also not appearing to move backwards anymore. And in this period, until about the 27th, in this period, what you want to know is that we're not dealing with Mercury retrograde, and yet we're not totally free and unfettered. So, you know, it's a good time to take your time. It's a good time to make sense of or tidy up the messes of this Mercury retrograde. And as I like to say, you know, there's, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It may be a pain in your sweet buns, your sweet, sweet buns, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So as much as possible, you know, tidy up whatever messes came up during the Mercury retrograde, whether that means clarifying misunderstandings, reviewing contracts or agreements, or simply (laughs) returning to the mess that has become your, your home or whatever it is, you know, tidy things up right around now. 
Now, because on the 18th, the planet Mars moves into the sign of Scorpio, where Mercury already is, we have a shift in energy that is deep and investigative because the energies of the sign Scorpio are deep and investigative. And Mars itself is the planet of fighting and fornicating. It is the planet of getting things done. So when we look at transiting Mars, aka Mars moving through the sky in real time and how it impacts us, what we're looking at is motivation and motivation around passion and ambition, right? Mars is a visceral planet. And when we look at the sign of Scorpio, it is often associated with sex and sexuality. And so this may be a time where issues of sexuality become more pertinent and intimate to you, but it's also a sign associated with resentments and obsession and going deep emotionally into the content of whatever it is you're dealing with. And so this is a good time to look at your ego, not what you're doing, but how you feel about what you're doing, what your motives are. Because if you don't have clarity of intent, if you don't have clarity of intent around what you're doing and what's motivating you, then you might find that you put forces into motion that come back at you in a way that does not bring you pleasure, joy, or what you were hoping for. Okay. So this is a great time for all of that. Another shift we have on the 22nd is the sun moving into Sagittarius. Now, when the sun moves into Sagittarius, it is a bit of a lightning of energies, but I'm not going to tell you too much about it because it is the most infinitely Googleable thing in the world is like the changing of the sun sign seasons. So I'm not going to speak too much to that. But what I will say is this, I have now named not one, but three celestial shifting of gears that are happening this week. And what you are likely to notice is that you're feeling a shift. So it is individual to you, whether that shift is going to make you feel anxious and a little upset, or if that shift is going to make you feel a little bit more comfortable and more centered in yourself. You know, how we respond to energies and how we respond to change is reflective of who we are and where we are, right? What I want to encourage you to do is remember that change, change, whether it's external change or internal change, is an opportunity to evolve. That's what it is. And if you can meet that opportunity to evolve with interest, compassion, patience, then you're doing all right. Even if you feel totally messed up and things aren't what you want them to be, you're doing all right. You know, we're not meant to be perfect and then like hang out there in perfection. We are meant to grow, enjoy that growth, grow again, struggle against that growth, grow again. Like, you know, it's, it's a lot of movement. It's a lot of growth. That's the thing about being alive. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, but have you noticed that bodies are constantly changing? And that just as soon as you get used to your body as it is right now, you get a little older, you know, things shift, how people react to you shifts, things change. And when you're younger, in your teens, in your 20s, it feels like it takes a really long time. And as you get older, what you find is that those changes happen quicker and quicker. That's just life. So again, when we can bring more awareness and more intention to how we respond to changes that we didn't choose and that don't totally make sense to us, life gets easier to bear. Life gets easier to manage and cope with. And that, my loves, is worth its weight. And G-O-L-D, which is my favorite of all the medals, that's gold. Okay, 
The other major thing to report astrologically this week is on the 23rd, it's the last day of this week's horoscope. And I'm going to speak more to this in next week's forecast because what we have happening around the 23rd, maybe you'll be feeling it on the 22nd as well, is the beginnings of a Mars opposition to Uranus and a Venus conjunction to Jupiter. Now, those two transits will be exact on the 24th. So I will talk about it on the horoscope for next week. But because you're going to be feeling it leading up, I do want to give you a heads up. Mars opposite Uranus is upsetting. Mars opposite Uranus makes you feel agitated, like you need freedom, like you just want to do things your way and that circumstances or people are getting in your way or slowing you down. And it can be quite frustrating. Because of this, the transit can be associated with being accident prone, honestly. It can be associated with other kinds of frustrations that are really ego conflicts, okay? Now, what I want to encourage you to know is that you might think, because of this Venus conjunction to Jupiter, that you're being reasonable and diplomatic. But are you? Are you? Uh, I don't know. Being convinced that you see things the right way and trying to tell people your perspective as a way to like show them the light, it's a complicated approach to life. And you know, it's hard to not want to have that approach when you believe you are right. We can insert this theme into talking about family stuff because we're at the beginning of holiday season here in the U.S. with Thanksgiving and also with Christmas coming. You know, we have a lot of family stuff, building and burgeoning, and all the triggers that exist around that. Pay close attention to the difference between your reactions and the choices you make around your responses. If you feel like you do not have a choice, if you feel trapped, if you feel like other people are making you feel or act a certain kind of way, I want to encourage you to really bring mindfulness to that because you always have a choice. And I should take a step back. One does not always have a choice, but one most usually has a choice. Unless your situation is so extreme and dire that you don't truly have a choice, I want to encourage you to look at the ways in which you are allowing yourself to be passive in the face of your own life in your own psychology, in your own wellness, and see if you can take pains to be more active. And what that looks like is taking the steepest, most obnoxious route to get most directly and most quickly to the place you want to be in yourself, and then by extension, in the world around you, in your relationships. This week might have you feeling, especially the second half of the week, a little agitated, a little, a little frustrated. And how you respond to those feelings is on you. It is ultimately what defines you. What other people do or don't do is their problem. That is their cross to bear. How you respond, how you enact, how you show up or don't, that's yours. So take pains. Take pains this week to engage consciously and kindly with yourself and others. That's the short and tall of our horoscope this week. And because it's a kind of quickie, I want to take a moment to touch on bigger themes, the bigger themes happening astrologically. You've heard me talk about Uranus transiting through the sign of Taurus. Now, this is a slow moving transit. As you've heard me talk about before, when we're talking about outer planets, these slow moving planets, what we're really talking about is shifts in society and shifts in human consciousness. and when we look at the transit of Uranus and Taurus, what we're really looking at is who we value, how we place that value, what we value. 
we are seeing across the globe more people coming together to fight back against misplaced value, right? Value of money over people, money over environment, one group of people over another. And this is complicated and messy and powerful. And it is a shift that we all would do well to pay attention to because my loves, there's 30 degrees to each sign. Uranus first entered Taurus in the spring of 2018, and we haven't even gotten to the seventh degree of the sign, aka it moves slowly. And so there's a lot of time left of this particular transit. What I want to connect it to, and this is a really important one for me, that I think I maybe haven't talked about on the show as much, is Neptune in Pisces. We have Neptune transiting through the sign of Pisces, and it is about halfway, just past halfway through the 30 degrees of the sign. Neptune transiting through Pisces is a really interesting transit because on the kind of like elevated level, it helps us to see how we are all interconnected. It makes the world smaller, and it increases our potential for empathy, kindness, showing up for each other. Uh, Neptune is the planet associated with impersonal love, societal love. And it is a really powerful thing to have the planet Neptune in the sign that it rules over Pisces. On the downside, what this transit can bring about is deep disassociation, Uh, looking away when things get messy or confrontational, checking out, And that checking out can be through media, it can be through drugs, in particular opiates, pills. It can also be through increased anxiety. Neptune is the planet that governs anxiety. Differently, Uranus also governs anxiety, but anxiety more in a a nervous system-y way. Neptune is more in a fear-based, panicky way. The combination of the driving force of Uranus in Taurus and the easily overwhelmed somewhat idealistic nature of Neptune in Pisces is something that I encourage us all to pay some attention to. Because what you can look at is how in your life you are minding the space between your sense of overwhelm and what you do in response to that overwhelm. Finding a way of showing up for things that are complicated, messy, or painful things that are happening in society that are outside of what you believe in, that are not okay. Finding ways of being present that are sustainable. Finding ways of staying associated is tricky. And the way to do it is through spiritual motivation. It's through motivation based on your highest ethics and ideals. It's honoring the needs of your soul over your needs around comfort or fear. And that doesn't mean pretending you don't have comfort or fear. That doesn't mean torturing yourself. It means finding a way to honestly place the needs of your soul above those things, you know, fear, anxiety, comfort. I'm not saying, you know, burn your reality TV shows and look away from social media. I am saying if you are, you know, scrolling through social media, make sure that you have things that engage your soul in your feed. I am saying, If you are finding that all you have the energy for is disassociating from what's happening in the world or in your life, then this is a good time to really look at that with all this, you know, shift Mars and Scorpio and all this kind of heavy stuff happening in the world and us being at the end of 2019 where so many very intense things happen. 
find a way to be more associative because with all of these planets that we have in Capricorn, Saturn and Pluto, and Jupiter will be joining those two planets in early December, we are going to need our humanity intact and we need our eyes and hearts open. That's really important for the world. It's important for our communities, but it's also important for our souls, for our individual selves. I want to give you all my deepest appreciation for showing up week after week to be a part of this community of Ghost of a Podcast of people across the world who really care about being their best selves and living a life that they can feel really good about from wherever you're starting from. I I just want to thank you for being a part of this and know that from an energetics perspective, when more of us become present and whole and compassionate, it makes it easier for others of us. And it becomes this energetic wave and it grows, you know, it just keeps on growing. My loves, if you aren't already a supporter on Patreon of this podcast, why don't you go ahead and do it? It's super chill and fun. Plus, you'll get extra goodies that you can only get on Patreon. I want to thank everybody who's written a review. It makes me sit at my computer with a really goofy, dumb smile on my face. It makes me really happy. So thank you for that. And uh, I guess that's it. I love you. And I appreciate you. I hope you get to love and appreciate yourself too. And then let that love and appreciation spread out to others. Talk to you next week. Bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here.